0: Me.
1: From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark yeah. Mark Mar- Mar- Mar-
2: Mar- Oh Ho, oh, oh. ho, Yes, it's me. Mark Hershon, host and nerf herder for Epi 161 of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast. The Santa's sack of soundcasts, as it is. Except this isn't the Christmas episode. It is December, and at the rate that I turn out episodes, it's might as well, probably will be my Christmas episode. It is a full-on Suckatash clips episode, I can guarantee you that with a couple of extra treats in store as befits the holiday season. First up, got a couple of live dates coming up. This very show has been invited to get on stage at the upcoming 17th Annual San Francisco Sketch Fest once again. We will be at Piano Fight in the Tenderloin on Sunday, January 14th at 5.30 p.m. Our announcer, Bill Haywat will once again be on hand live for this show, and we will have some special guests. So special, I don't even know who they will be yet. Got to wait to see who's hanging around from the Sketch Fest. Then I just kind of scrape them off the, off the pavement and throw them up on stage. Admission is free. That's right. It's free. But space at uh, Piano Fight is a little limited. So you can get your free tickets. You got to get a ticket to get in. But it's free. You can get that at sfsketchfest.com. There's also a link to their link on our home site right now at suckatashow.com. Then a week later, at that same SF Sketch Fest, but at a different venue, the historic, magnificent Castro Theater. They're going to be doing a tribute screening of The Foot Fist Wave. Have you ever seen it? Starring Danny McBride, directed by Jody Hill. It's great. It's a hilarious, low-budget movie. If you haven't seen it, McBride's first starring role. Since he and Hill co-produced it. See, he got the starring role. And both those guys will be on hand and on stage for a live chat, which I am honored to have been asked to moderate. So it'll just be me, Danny McBride, Jody Hill, and an audience full of people asking questions after we get done yakking it up. So get on over to sfsketchfest.com, or again, I've got the link to their link up at succotashshow.com. Also, don't forget I'm working with Phil Larness as the announcer on his less-than-a-year-old soundcast Los Angeles Breakfast Club on the air. The December edition is up now. And you can download her from iTunes or from the home site, LABreakfastClub.com. But now, on to this show. Here's the deal with it. The clips we're playing were all pretty much harvested by our associate producer, Tyson Saner, for a show that I was going to do back in October as a crossover episode with the guys from the Monster Party Soundcast, Matt Weinhold, Larry Stroth, Sean Sheridan, and James Gonus. But Matt ended up having back surgery the week I was going to be in LA. I was going down there for the podcast festival, and we couldn't pull the thing together. So before these clips start going stale and get mold on them of the digital equivalent, uh, I figured we'd just do a Succotash clips where we play snippets from comedy soundcasts that are only horror and sci-fi movie oriented. So the clips we have for you come from the sci-fi movie podcast, the Cadaver cast, comedy film nerds, and the Universal Monster cast, plus the Star Wars Minute, and I'm going to throw in a clip from Monster Party just to give my pals over there some guilt feelings for not getting to do our show together. In addition, there's a burst of durst segment with political comedian and social commentator Will Durst, plus a visit to the Studio P wet bar in a new Boozin' with Bill. And of course, this whole Megillah is brought to you by our friends over at Henderson's Pants. Let's jump start with this burst of durst where Will gets into the dicey topic of assault.
3: Hey guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words on the recent avalanche of sexual assault revelations concerning public figures. And it's about time. Men behaving badly is as old a story as dogs chasing cats. A phrase even more apropos when you consider that most men are horned dogs to begin with. Every single woman you've ever met, including your sister, mother, and grandmother, has been the unhappy recipient of inappropriate touching and crude groping and, and hugs that go on much too long and clumsy pawing and cheek kisses that inexplicably involve wetness and all sorts of leers and ogles and catcalls and having to constantly worry that the provocative or unprovocative clothing they are wearing might be provoke the unwarranted attention of some deranged carbon unit with a Y chromosome poisoning convinced that they are God's gift to women. Which, to be honest, is many of us. Okay, all. And that categorically includes not grabbing them by the private parts. And the fact that we have a president who bragged about that activity is as helpful as wiring a park bench to a chandelier. That's not locker room banter. That's an oafish toad gloating about his clueless entitlement and disregard for decency. It is way, way past the point that we men get hip real fast to the simple fact that no means no. It does not mean, yes please, it does not mean, maybe, it does not mean, it's getting hot in here, so take off all my clothes, and it certainly does not mean, you big lug, you're so cute when you're angry, and thank God you know what I want more than I do, and I love it when your face turns that blotchy tomato color, because trust me, nobody likes that blotchy tomato color. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst
2: check out more at WillDurst.com or find him at WillDurst on Twitter. If you're going to be in the Bay Area between Christmas and New Year's, Will and his cadre of cut-ups will be appearing all over the place in their annual big fat year-end kiss-off show. You can find more information at WillDurst.com. As I said earlier, the clips from this show are meant to be for a kind of crossover show I was talking about doing with the Gang for Monster Party. That's where we're going to have all the guys listen to the shows and sound off about the clips. But Sometimes I just dream too big, I guess. And it never happened. But Tyson did do a lot of work. I didn't want these clips to go to waste. So here we are. Here's a clip from the show Responsible. And Monster Party is still one of my favorite shows. Yes, even though these guys stood me up. I'm even reviewing them on Splitsider.com this week. You know, you can tell. Because even with all the shows I listen to for this show and my Splitsider.com show reviews. I actually do subscribe to this one. This is their latest drop. It's from that, featuring a past guest of this show as their guest and my real-life friend Rick Overton. The episode is entitled Future Past and looks at the future as depicted in films from the past. In this clip, the guys are going off about the way Star Trek thinks we may be
1: going.
4: I'm so grateful Star Trek is back into looking for a fist fight everywhere it goes again. (laughs) Thank God. They're back into being the ones to pick the fight. Yeah,
1: Are
5: they? I haven't seen... Uh, I haven't They're ready
4: Discovery for it yet. now, man. Really?
5: Well, okay. yeah. It reflects
4: reality. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I kind of miss the old vibe, too. You know, oh, but yeah, I, The yeah, action's yeah, great it. in the new one, but uh, something And about Doug what, Jones, my God. Doug Jones is stealing the thing oh, oh, he's I got, so good. So. He is but, super but, duper. He's but the Mr. Spock of the
5: show. He is, and he's... Totally. Fabulous. He's so good. But here's the question... Can you do that again? Because you said it with jazz hands. He's Fabulous. <laughs> you don't have to ask me twice to do jazz hands. <laughs> but one thing that the new show points out, which is the problem that all these shows following the original Star Trek had is that Star Trek is a thing of its time. And so now when you're doing shows where, hey, this one's going to be a prequel. Yeah. This one's going to be uh, in between the prequel. That they were constantly getting into these problems of... Updating something. Yeah. Or, how do you explain it being way ex- more
4: advanced now than the one we remember from right, right, the right. future of you?
5: For example, the Enterprise, the show Enterprise. Yeah. You look at Enterprise and I get the idea that they made it look a little more mechanical. Yeah. Everything it's had right, a yeah. it was less smooth surfaces. Yeah. And so I, I get okay, this is the older trek. But it still looks way more advanced than Star Trek: The Original Series. Right, right. With it's Shatner, like all of a yeah, sudden they yeah. went like, okay, we got all these dials and everything, and you know what we should do? Let's let's have some big light up buttons everywhere. <laughs> let's have a bunch of lights that you know, don't really do anything. I like the lit up buttons. I- Look, I I, I, love it I mean, too. Uh, yellow and red and, I and, it too. and green. It's just kind I of mean, uh, silly you're so that you
6: scientific. Yeah. Well,
5: well <laughs> you know, you laugh, you laugh, Rick. Don't you think I'm it's snacking. it's no, no? I, I was going to say, don't you think it makes a lot of sense? It's like, oh, the danger button. It's the
3: red button, and it's like <laughs> to, to move forward
5: to go. It's the green button. You I know? love the shows
3: and, in the fifties set the controls for outer space.
1: That's <laughs> true. <laughs> 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 better hang on to something.
2: We don't have seatbelts. Well, I also like. Like, the, all the
5: alerts, like the yellow alert. Uh, I can't hear myself give orders.
7: Or can I we lower that. that a little bit? Well,
5: look, look. You can understand yellow alert. It's like oh, mildly, you know, in, intense, and, then, and so red dangerous. alert is a bright red flashing <laughs> <Yes>. bulb. <laughs> well, and then and it gets your
8: attention, Matt. It does. Matt, but then it's, turn it's, it off.
5: Well, <laughs> well, when you're you get to where that danger is, sure, you can turn turn it off because you need to concentrate. correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Isn't there a scene where all of a sudden it goes to red alert and then the whole fucking bridge is red? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I can't see anything. We've already established that he has trouble seeing. Yes, that's, Chat- true. Chat- that's, you know, that's no. true. Captain Kirk. He, Captain Kirk. He wears Kirk. The granny glasses, that's right. Oh, they're, yeah, he's got glasses. His glasses. they're not granny glasses. <laughs> <God>.
2: <laughs> they should have given him, given him John Lennon glasses. That would have been a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, that's Matt Weinhold, Larry Stroth, Sean Sheridan, and James Gonis, along with guest Rick Overton. Monster Party is available in all the usual downloady places, including the Laughable app, iTunes, Stitcher, or, of course, their home site, monsterpartypodcast.libsen.com. You can also hop over to our home site, secatashow.com, and click on their show title in our blog or any of the show titles featured in this show. That will take you directly to their home site. We love comedy film nerds with Chris Mancini and Graham Elwood. In fact, I just featured my chat with Chris from the recent Los Angeles Podcast Festival on our most recent episode. And while they don't feature strictly sci-fi, monster, and horror movies on their show, they are pretty heavily into those genres. Back in their episode 384, the guys, along with guest Kevin Avery, get into a low-budget, crazy little movie called Dave Made a Maze, where they get into a little aside about none other than Rick Overton, who you just heard— Man, this show's getting meta.
8: I saw Dave Made a Maze. All right. Now, this movie I was excited to see because it looked absolutely just ridiculous fun and uh, absurd, and it was. It was definitely all of those things. Nick Zone, who's been on the show, is is it his film? He builds a cardboard maze in his uh, uh, living room that it's a lot bigger on the inside than the outside. He gets lost Mm -hmm. in it. And then um, his girlfriend and a film crew and a bunch of his friends go in to try to save him from the maze but it just gets bigger and bigger like it has a life of its own and there's a a cardboard minotaur that chases (laughs) them and it's really an insane uh movie i want to see this now i want can we stop (laughs) yeah (laughs) now i i loved when i was reading the trivia about this that said they initially utilized scrap cardboard for an american apparel factory in la uh the producer thought they had more than enough to lick for the length of the shoot but then they ran out three weeks later and the company would not give them any more scrap cardboard. <laughs> Damn. But luckily, they were shooting next to Solar City, and they were willing to have the crew dumpster die for all the cardboard they needed. And then the cardboard was returned to those same dumpsters for recycling. The production did not pay for any cardboard, and the whole movie is literally a cardboard maze. So, wow. and the other thing that they said is that there was only enough space for two rooms of the maze to be built at any one time. So while one was being filmed, the other one was being built. And they said the average lifespan of a room was four hours. So literally there was no reshoots because they had to tear down the cardboard sets every single uh, you know, every ama- time they changed it. It's amazing it.
5: that you liked it because it's a, first, not, not that it's a first-time director. Not that that right. means, oh, they're, they should be awful in their first outing. But like it's this guy, Bill Watterson, who's basically mm-hmm. just been a TV actor. Yeah. Um,
8: but it was absurd and ridiculous. People died. And uh, and it was just, it was that, like, when I read the description, I'm like, horror comedy. I'm like, where where's the horror in this? This is just kind of weird, absurd. But, you know, if you have a couple people die and from cardboard, then you can slap the word horror on it I as mean, it well. does sound like
9: <laughs> utterly ridiculous, but then potentially terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> to be lost. <clears throat> Think of all the times you've gotten lost somewhere where you didn't expect to get lost, where suddenly you're just, even if it's a parking lot, and you're like, freaking out because you can't find your car or even how to get out of the lot you know like yeah. shit like that mm-hmm. always is kind of weird and intriguing to
8: so it was really inventive and interesting the way they did the different cardboard rooms and parts of the maze and the, the creatures that were actually inside it. Um, it it still felt like it did have that kind of first time director feel <laughs> to it for sure it was definitely but, uneven and rough around the edges but who cares I mean it was a you know that's the kind of movie you know what you're getting into after you see the trailer
5: and you know, and I, I, from the trailer too, I was like, "Well, this isn't just an inventive." I just love an inventive idea. Like, right. He builds exactly. this yeah. little cardboard thing, and it actually goes into this giant world. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm in. That sounds. Yeah. It felt like uh, um, being John Malkovich, sort of that. Right. like, You know. It has four, that vibe. Seven and a half. It has whatever. that
8: vibe to it too. Now, the one thing I love that the uh, filmmaker did did not do, like, there's a uh, film crew that goes in to find um, Dave they did not do the found footage bullshit thing oh like I was like oh thank god they just shot it there's a film crew following in the boat that we don't see every shot from the film crew's perspective oh that's awesome so it was nice to see my uh, one of the uh, my one complaint is that uh, Rick Overton was completely wasted in the movie like he plays a hobo that uh, they, they, they try to help. like does he or was he just sleeping? <laughs> there, they were shooting. Say that. <laughs> hey Rick,
10: we love you.
5: No, like, there's this guy in the trash who keeps doing yeah. a Sean <laughs> Connery impression, and,
8: and he's, he's the guy getting him the cardboard. And he's, he, he, <laughs> well, that was it. That was the thing in the movie where it was like uh, it was like, I thought you knew mazes. He goes, No, I know cardboard. Because he's a, he's a, he's a bum and That's a very Nick thing to say Yeah to. And, uh, and he it, It's funny You know Rick is so talented He just lit up Every scene he was in But he was only in two oh, so oh, So he was kind of like When you have Rick Overton In a movie use rick overton you know he could he could have done a lot more in the film
2: based on hearing that clip i actually just went up and bought dave made a maze from itunes how about that and i really like kevin avery the guest you heard there with chris and graham originally a san francisco stand-up he's now a writer on this week with john oliver on hbo gotta get him up here on on our show one of these days i've actually talked to him about it before but we've just been uh Okay, I let the ball drop. Check out Comedy Film Nerds at their home site, ComedyFilmNerds.com, or any any other soundcast distribution point that you like on the web. The next clip is from a very specific genre soundcast. The show is called The Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, hosted by Remy and Jonathan, a couple of film geeks from Canada. This clip is from a recent episode where they're getting into War for the Planet of the Apes.
4: Hi, and welcome to the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, digging deeper into the Sci-Fi movies that we all love. My name is Rem.
6: And I'm Jonathan, and this time on the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, we're discussing War for the Planet of the Apes. I did not start this war. The Ape who did His
1: name was Koba. I killed him. Now, I fight only to protect
4: apes. All right, War for the Planet of the Apes, 2017, third in the series, and like you said in the intro, John, not Particularly the last one. Now, you and I haven't talked about this. We've sent a few messages back and forth. I don't know what you thought of this movie. You don't know what I thought. So No,
6: and you know that that's a common theme for me. I frequently don't know what you're thinking. And a lot of times, honest to God, <laughs> you surprise me with us with some things, you know?
4: Surprise you in a good way? Or in a good a... way.
6: Always in a good way. Not in a not no. oh, hey, that's not where that's supposed to go away.
4: That's very inappropriate. <laughs> that is very inappropriate. <laughs> Your mind is a dangerous place to be. Yes, so we haven't really talked about what we liked or disliked, and we're going to get started, as we always like to do with what worked with this third film in this uh, this sort of new installment, which is uh, directed by Matt Reeves. So, Jonathan, what do you think? War for the Planet of the Apes, a lot of hype, big anticipation for the summer blockbuster. What say
6: you? I say it delivers. It, I think, is the strongest of any Planet of the Apes movie in the whole gamut of the uh oeuvre, if you will,
4: even going back to the
6: Charlton Heston. Going movies. back to the Charlton Heston movies, I mean, I, I really actually love that first Charlton Heston movie, and if you don't know what's going to happen at the end, it's such a good twist. But this set of movies, which is the the prequel, and shows the development of how they went from monkeys in zoos to, uh, you know, the forefront species on the planet. Uh, The first one I thought was really good. The second one, interesting, but a little less so. But this one is a fantastic conclusion to this opening arc of the Planet of the Apes. It really takes the trilogy and
4: brings it to a nice sense of conclusion, I think. Because, you know, we'd heard that the third film was going to come. And I, I think we sort of see things in threes now. Lord of the Rings, Hobbit. You know, film series ne- seem to be following on those, on those, those beats of three now. And if this is the last one, I, I think this is going to be a, f- a fitting end to where this, you know, prequel series of the, of the apes movies finishes. And then we can see how that was going to progress into what would ultimately become the, the Charlton Heston, uh, planet of the apes series. Yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta agree. This, as far as a, as a movie and completing the series, I enjoyed it. Now they're, there are issues with it and it's not without its faults but I think if you were to take the totality of the series with with Rise and then Dawn or Dawn or Rise I'm still confused by that. If you take the totality and then complete it with War for the Planet of the Apes, I think you've got a really strong trilogy here. And I think, why hasn't Fox done something like this with the Alien movies? Because they've demonstrated they know how to do a a trilogy well. They know how to do these movies well. And they're starting to do the things that we've talked about on the podcast that are so necessary for a good movie. Good character development. Building up plots you care about. People that you can empathize with, in this case, apes that you can empathize with. Performance capture that we saw from Andy Serkis, phenomenal. Um, did, did you find this was an emotional story for you? Uh, what
6: was the emotion you were left with after the movie ended? Well, let me tell you, I went through a number of emotions. When I'm watching this movie, I'm, I'm connecting with the apes because they're clearly the, the quote-unquote good guys. Right. And humans are the bad guys. And I'm going through the movie going, like I want the apes to succeed I think, but wait, I'm a human though. <laughs> <laughs> and they're kind of funny. But but these guys, but these humans are are dicks. And I'm like I'm I'm conflicted on how I how I should be feeling, but in the end, you know, I realize okay, yes, I I have to root for the apes. You know, this is this is where the movie's leading me to go and this is where this is where I have to be. And I think that the the arc that Caesar has throughout this movie is amazing, and God can we, can we do spoilers? Are we allowed to do spoilers here? You know,
4: I think we're going to do spoilers, and maybe we should drop the spoiler warning in. If you haven't seen this movie or the, the previous two films, know that we are going to spoil the ending. That's
2: the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Well... It's a clip from it. Although at their home site, scifimoviepodcast.com, their logo says that they're the sci-fi movie and TV podcast, so you might get some TV talk mixed in along the way with these guys. They've been around for a few years, so you'll no doubt find their show propagated throughout Soundcast land. Next up is a clip from a show that Tyson says is, quote, delightful, called Cadavercast, a father-son monster movie podcast. The hosts are a dad, Jeff Burnham, and his five-year-old son, Alistair. So one assumes that this show never gets too dark or too explicit. The clip is from their Epi 30, where they get into one of my favorite all-time fun movies, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad.
0: It's time for Beastly Best.
2: Okay,
11: what is the moment in the movie that you consider the coolest monster moment, Alistair, in Seventh Voyage of Sinbad?
0: With the dragon, uh, is fighting the Cyclops.
11: Yeah? Oh, I thought you were going to say the skeleton, for sure.
0: But the dragon and the Cyclops fight is really cool. Because, like, it's monster against monster.
11: Double monster.
0: And one is bigger than the other, and one is original.
11: So you get to see who would win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. monster showdown. The dragon does.
11: Well, spoilers. (laughs) But, yeah. Obviously, everything's spoilers on this show. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can talk
0: about movies.
11: Yeah, we talk about the whole movie.
0: If you have seen the movie, it's not spoilers.
11: Well, that's true, yeah. well,
0: we're just talking about what we think about the movies. Yeah. I guess if you saw one of these movies, King Kong basically maybe all of you have seen.
11: Nah, I, you'd be surprised. People... You'd be surprised, actually. Not, not as many... People nowadays have seen King Kong as you would think. Mm. More people have probably seen Kong Skull Island nowadays than King Kong 1933. Sad though that may be for us.
0: Yeah. Maybe not a lot of people have seen that.
11: Well, the thing that is good about our show is that maybe mm-hmm. we can maybe we can recommend movies to people that they haven't seen that they could check out, some kind of Yeah. Some classics, you know.
0: Yeah, some classics. What's your busy best?
11: Oh, mine is in the first... Well, no, it's not the first. It's after they first find the treasure, Mm -hmm. and the Cyclops catches them. And the Cyclops throws a bunch of guys, throws Sinbad and four of his men in a cage, and then he takes one of those guys out. Yeah. And he ties him to a stick and starts roasting him over a fire. (laughs) Yeah. Puts him on a spit. That's my beastly best. That is really cool.
0: If you don't know what a spit is, it's a cooking utensil that you put over a fire that you put chicken on. Yeah. But he put a human on it.
11: I know. That's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it just starts cooking the guy. He's just sitting there cooking him, just Mm. spinning him around, Mm. cooking him. That's my beastly best. I think that's really cool.
0: They usually use it earlier because they're like eating and. that's when the...
11: The big rock shows up. Yeah. yeah. Then they, they they cook the baby rock later on a spit. Yeah.
0: And then the mommy rock comes over and throws two of the guys into a border, basically.
11: Yeah. Well, uh, after the Cyclops tries to roast the guy, then mm-hmm. some other drunk dudes show up, and the Cyclops squashes one with a tree.
1: That yeah. whole scene
11: is really cool. We didn't talk about it in the uh, no. in the earlier parts of the podcast here. No, we
0: didn't. Because I
11: think you forgot about it. But no, that's didn't. my favorite stuff no. in the movie is that I stuff with the, the Cyclops.
0: Guy the guy when he had the tree, he picked up the tree, tried to squash him, Other the dudes, squashed that guy.
11: Yeah, squashed him.
0: Like a grape.
11: Like a grape. So... With that, I think it's time we move on to Get Spooked, if you actually found any moments in the movie particularly spooky.
0: Yeah, I did.
11: Yeah? What was that? What's your spookiest monster moment in Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, um, then?
0: Uh, my scariest moment was when we see the skull just hanging there. And the oh, like, when
11: the guy walks around the corner and the skull's right there in his face.
0: And he's yeah like, like freaks out for a second. Yeah. yeah, that
11: guy's got bad luck because he's the guy who ends up getting roasted. Yeah I mean, he doesn't die. they save him but like
0: yeah. he
11: is the guy who <laughs>
0: gets then.
11: roasted sees the skeleton, gets really scared,
2: then he gets tied to a spit and roasted by a giant Cyclops. Yeah, bad luck. That's a taste of cadaver cast and never has a soundcast sounded more adorable. I love that, that Alistair. What a, what a great kid. Their home site's actually uh, up only up on SoundCloud, but you can find the show on iTunes and other places you might expect to find soundcasts waiting for your ears. And now just in time for your laggardly Christmas shoppers. Here's a message from our sponsor.
1: Season's greetings, friends, from me, Bill Haywatt, and everyone at Henderson's Pants. Now, although this is supposed to be the happiest time of the year, it's also a time for frayed nerves, temper tantrums, and road rage. And now there's all this brouhaha about what to even call the events around the winter solstice. Well, far be it from Henderson's Pants to ruffle any feathers, so you won't be hearing us uttering the C word anytime soon, which is is why Henderson's is introducing their Holiday Pants just in time for this festive season. Intentionally non-denominational, Henderson's Holiday Pants are just what the discriminating celebrant is wearing this year. Perfect for office parties, family get-togethers, or late-night shopping sprees, these snappy trousers are designed to honor every persuasion of winter celebration. How can one pair of pants do all of that, you might ask? Simple, we might answer. Because These holiday pants are made by a special group of Amish craftsmen in a barn covered with hex signs in the middle of Pennsylvania Dutch country. They weave the sturdy cotton twill fabric themselves before stitching each pair together by hand. These humble tailors have no holiday celebration, no electricity, and no alcohol. They literally live for the opportunity to craft each and every pair of Henderson's holiday pants. And they don't care if it's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or that holiday around the god baby with the decorated pine tree and the name that makes some people so very angry. Originally designed for Ebenezer Scrooge, Hermie the Elf, and the Grinch that stole Christmas, Henderson's Holiday Pants are available wherever there's a dude dressed like Santa outside ringing a bell and begging for your spare change. Happy Holidays from Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1 A.D. And now back to Succotash. Oh boy, all my favorite beverages are here. I got vodka and and I got cognac and... Uh, Listen, uh, 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 Kenny, I, I'm sorry. You, you can't play with us. We have to wait for Mark. Mark always mistreats me. He's not here, and I don't care. I want to play. Look, you are the assistant engineer, and you have to understand that you only have to go get coffee and take orders, and, and, you know, someday you'll be the full engineer, and then you can tell people what to do, and you can abuse them. I don't want to do that. I want to abuse them now. Hey. Oh. Hey. What? Hey,
2: Kenny, what are what? you doing in here? Nothing. I didn't think Bill let you buy the bar at all. I was, know.
1: He just uh, said I could. Oh, okay. Well, is that all right?
2: It's okay with me. It's okay. up to Bill. This is his segment. So uh, if he wants to share airtime with Kenny.
1: Well, I don't really. Kenny, get lost. Okay.
3: Who's in with Bill? You'll be sorry
1: someday. Someday, Kenny. God, what is that guy's problem? Well, I know. He tries. He's very happy in his own weird way. We haven't paid him in three years. <laughs> he just will not Well, leave. he doesn't want to get out of showbiz. Yeah, that's you know how that Like This is works. showbiz. That's exactly. Well, it's, it's yes. sort of showbiz. Hey, Mark, yeah. it's a good thing that you're working with an experienced drinker because a less experienced drinker would not be able to record more than one episode at a time. I know. That is the God's truth. I know. Hey, you're, you know, we got. Kind a, of spoiling the mystery. We, we, it all, we got a new president. Cool. What? We got a new really? president. What happened to Trump? Well, no, that's what I mean. Oh. And you know what? He promised to drain the swamp. Yes, he did. He promised. He said he was going to drain the You know that? Swamp. And so, in yes. honor of that, yes. we have a drink that's called the, the Swamp Drainer. Oh, boy. The okay. Swamp oh, Drainer. All right. This... It's a great drink. You know what? We've man. had a great run. and Oh, listen. We're going to get close to the. Uh... I've got some stuff for you close... here. We're this is going to put some hair to, on bar- your face. What was the barbecue one? Oh, barbecue punch? Yeah, it's going to be. This will rival barbecue punch. This I can guarantee you. Oh, man. We're going to start with a little bit of water in a glass right here okay, and you can see easy. that i've got a little bit of water in a glass right here okay uh so then i've got organic wheat grass right, so we're here. gonna what do you want to take a Just picture a of, of that wheat grass okay uh, here's some organic but we wheatgrass. we would we would say if you've got fresh wheatgrass no, not or any I'm organic that. wheatgrass we're using amazing grass organic sponsor wheatgrass. of the show that's right so we're going to put some thank you amazing grass wheatgrass. grass yeah. wheatgrass thank you into a glass of water Here we, there the we go look sponsors. at that huh high. see because it's, it's kind of swampy we are the only podcast that amazing wheatgrass is sponsoring. yes and they know us and they love us so we're going to stir it up all right mm. oh yes Boy. it's kind of swampy and, and it and looks like something will come out of the
2: bottom of like a lawnmower
1: exactly yes, yes. you know kind of mulchy mm-hmm. so we're going to add that and then um you know because we're draining the swamp but filling it up with the right kind of people. Oh yeah. We're gonna add, we're gonna add one and one half ounces yes. of vodka. Uh. Cheap Russian vodka. All right. Now, and I'm not yeah. talking about <laughs> like that Cheap imitation crap that killed fifty people in Irkutsk. <laughs> you know what they did? Those people in Irkutsk are so thirsty they, they drank bath lotion. Oh dear! Because it has methanol oh. in it. And the difference between methanol and, and uh, ethanol? Yes. Methanol will fucking kill you, man. Yeah, so you don't want to drink no methanol. You got to get some cheap so, Russian vodka, so is vodka this, from Poland is or something like this the stuff like that, that that putting it in drinks? No, this is the good stuff. This is this is called. Taka. Taka. Taka Taka vodka, Taka. it's just right there with like acroids Crystal Head vodka. Nice. So we're gonna. Whoa! Oh Okay. Bill's had a little. Uh, well, I know I Here's have. Here's your one. diaper. Just... Here's your diaper, Bill. <laughs> it's a bar rag, okay. motherfucker. <laughs> All right, we're gonna clean this up. There <laughs> there the, we go. The soaps on the side. Then we've got so so we put the cheap Russian vodka in it, oh. and then what else goes good with Let me vodka? get out of your way. Oh, Going you, for the fridge. You better. Going for the fridge. <laughs> yes. So in that, uh, you got to put vodka and orange juice, but not just any no, orange of juice. of course not. you got to use Tropicana, Tropicana orange juice. juice. You know why? Why? You know why? Because oh, it's, it's, it's the official orange juice of the employee's cafeteria yeah. at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. Exactly. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. Sorry I jumped on your joke. It's all right. It's all right. You saw that coming a mile away, That's and you okay. know I love you. So we're going to put a third of a cup of this. Right, pull the plug Oh, thanks. Right. Put it up. Gently, 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 gently. Just like Donald. Gently. gently. There you go. Going to grab it by the cork. <laughs> All right. So we're going to put that third of How a cup. How much of that you put in there? Third, third of a cup. third of a cup goes in with the vodka and the and the, the And mulch. the wheatgrass juice, the mulch. Then you know the thing about it's still know, green. It's still just dark. dark I know. Green. I know. The thing that we love about about Donald Trump is he is a real doer. He is a goer and a doer. Douche. Uh, no. Doer. He's a goer and, and a, a doer. doer. That man has done more in the first hundred and fifty days of his presidency than anybody else, bar none, bar fucking none. And for that, get up and go. Well, yes. what you need is you need prune juice. Oh, see, I thought you were going to so, put do- I thought no. you were gonna put doers in there. No, 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 he said no, doer. No. He say. is a doer He's and a, a, do- goer. a goer. It's just more about goer than I, doer. I understand. So we're going to put prune juice in not, there. We're going to put a third. Not juice. just any prune but juice. This is SunSweet sun prune juice. juice.
2: Sponsor of the sponsor of the show. That's <laughs> right. Sun so we're going to put juice. some of that in
1: there. Nice. That's good. That's good. Ooh. So we're gonna put the prune juice right, in right, there. Let me for recount that. so far. We've got Get up water. Go. We've, we've got the wheatgrass juice. We've, we've, got vodka, and we've got vodka. We've got vodka. juice. We've got Tropicana orange juice. And we've got sunsweet. Sunsweet prune, prune juice. juice. And then the piece of resistance. Mm. We've got to put some triple sec in there because triple sec is the only liqueur that has Donald Trump's face on it. It's an orange liqueur. Look at that right there. He's got his hair yes. there. It's green, but it is his hair. Yes. And there's his his head. Yes. Sitting orange, in yeah. a little glass. Nice. So triple we need sec. a little bit of, we need just a little bit of triple sec. Right. We need, you know, like a, not quite a three quarters of an hour. We're going to put like a little little bit of it just to get some some native flavoring in there. All right. A little triple sec and or, triple delicious sec. orange liqueur. All right. now, so now, just to recap. Yes. Water with the delicious mm-hmm. uh, wheatgrass mm-hmm. juice from our friends at Amazing Amade. Grass. Yes. And then we put in the cheap Russian vodka. Yes. And uh, which is, is is under indictment or an investigation. Under investigation. And then we put uh, the, the prune juice for the get up and go. Yes. And then. The orange juice. Don't forget the orange oh, juice. Oh, the Tropicana orange juice. So we're going to stir it up, as Bob Marley would say. You know what? We didn't steer actually talk about our sponsor from the triple sec. Oh, That's yes. That's the de Kuiper. De Kuiper. De Kuiper. De Kuiper. The Kuiper. The de Kruker. the, the, the Kuiper. show. Absolutely. Sponsor uh, of Sponsor the show. Oh, who gives a fuck? All right, so, anyway, so no this ice? is, this is... No the, ice? Oh, you want ice? I don't know. Do we need ice? It's fine with me if we don't have ice. Well, then we won't have ice. Yeah. Maybe we drink it warm. You know what I think that's... Room temperature? A, you know what that is? What? That is a nod to the fact that climate change does not exist. That's exactly it. You yes. read my mind. Yes. The fact that, that there's no ice... Climate change does, does not, not exist. So I'm going to pour this in uh, two different little. Well, well, we got to shake it up. Uh-oh, yes. Uh-oh. We, stirred it up. we stirred it up. We stirred. No, stir it. you got to shake it though, because you're you're a professional. I am professional. Look out for me. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, don't don't, shake don't, it up. Don't let the top on shake that. Shake it up, baby. Shake, shake it up. Oh, <laughs> right. There he is shaking his moneymaker. Right. maker. Right on, baby. Okay, so then we've got to pour it into uh, your glass. Okay. Oh. We're gonna drain the swamp. We're gonna I feel like I, I feel this, like baby. I am.
2: This looks like swamp water. That's what this looks. That's like. That's right,
1: and we're gonna drain it too. All right, hold on. Here's we're gonna try. It, here's I think I'm gonna puke right in my glass. I'm, oh yes. Oh, this, oh this god. Don't make like like me drink this, mommy, please. Oh. Mm. You know, they've said that government is very bad medicine. Government is (laughs) bad. Come on, Swallow. (laughs) You can only get better from here. Oh, yes. So, we're going to overturn the ACA and we're going to kick all the people, all the scientists out of the school. And Donald Trump gonna...
2: probably holds Paul Ryan's nose and pours this <laughs> down his gut.
1: Oh, I'm sure he gives him an enema of this stuff. Oh, God, this is all. Don't make me drink anymore of this swamp drain. See, Ugh. politics is very, very difficult. Oh. That's what we learned from this. Politics is very, very difficult. No, no wonder. wonder Donald Trump doesn't drink. Good Lord, this is a nightmare. Oh, God. I can't take anymore. Oh, America's nightmare is almost over. Swamp drain. Well, you know, he might get another four years. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. Oh. Oh.
7: <laughs> Bill,
1: you've done it again. I'm not doing it anymore. Oh, you've done it again, Bill. Oh, God, please help Oh, oh God. Got, there was, has to be something to get this taste terrible. out of my mouth. Well, you know, here's the thing that we have we have a Pence back. <laughs> I'm yeah, to what that back, is. Well, it's water. It's tap water Oh. from Flint, Michigan. Oh, there's that Flint Yeah, joke. but the thing about that is it's, you know, you've got to drink the Flint. This is, this is pure, unadulterated Flint, Michigan tap water. Oh, no, and the no, thing no. is, you know, you got to trust people. This is faith-based water. <laughs> no. and, and it's right from the tap, and it's good for you. Oh. It's good for you. And the thing about it is when you look at it, you know, it's faith-based. Yeah. If you really believe then it's not gonna hurt you. All right. It looks like it's filled with lead. Go ahead, you need it, man. Oh, I feel like I'm glowing in the dark already. It's not bad. No, it's, no, it's better just, than uh, what we were drinking. It's to rinse. It's oh. a palate cleanser Ooh. and a mousse and bouche. That's, so, so that's the Mike Pence back. The Mike Pence back. For the? For the, it's okay, well, we're gonna recap. Yes, recap. It's a, a Mike Pence back for the Swamp drain. Swamp Dramer. And the Mike Pence back is a water, plain tap water, from our good friends at Flint, Michigan. And yes, of course, it's going to be discolored and foul smelling, but it's faith based. You can drink anything you want I if believe, you believe. I believe. You believe. I put believe, your hand on the glass I and, believe. and they're going to baptize you with the water of Flint, <coughs> Michigan. <coughs> oh, God. Are you going to be all right? I think so. Okay. That is another episode of Who's in with
2: Bill. You can find the recipe for the Swamp Trainer up on our SuckatashShow.com home site, but why? I love being in the bar with Bill, mixing up those drinks. That guy's crazy. All right, there is a sound cast for specific movie genres, like monster movies say, but there are shows that get into sub-genres too, such as the Universal Monsters cast... First of all, I like that they just call it a cast instead of using the P word. Our associate producer really likes this show, says the hosts Gilman Joel, Dr. Shock, and Wolfman Josh really stay on track with the discussion, which in this case is all about the mummy. In this clip, it's about how Hammer Films treated the character, which had come from the universal corral of monsters.
5: How about this, guys? I think we've we've tapped into our nostalgia. We, we know that uh, Hammer... Has, has had a profound impact on the horror genre, uh, even if people don't you know realize it and they've never seen one. So at this point in the show, Dave will bring you his feature review of The Mummy from 1959. Egypt,
1: 4,000 years ago. A land of strange rituals and savage cruelty. Many of their secrets are still hidden from the eyes of 20th century man. Secrets that protect their dead. Supernatural powers that, once released, can live again in our modern world. The Mummy, the
7: living dead, bringing terror and death across 4,000 years. All right, The Mummy from 1959. And this has, uh, 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 I want to say, hammer royalty behind it. Uh, it was directed by Terence Fisher, who uh, had done the, uh, the Frankenstein and the, uh, the Dracula movie. Also written by Jimmy Sangster, who had written the screenplays for those movies as well, and starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And what it is, is we have uh, uh, set in, I believe it starts in 1895, you have some Egyptologists about to discover a tomb, the Tomb of Ananka, princess who uh, had mysteriously uh, I guess she was on a, a pilgrimage or something thousands of years earlier and she she died and she was buried in this remote location and uh you have well it's Stephen Banning I guess I don't know if it's his brother Joe is or I think or I don't know he's related somehow but Stephen Banning who's John Banning's father John Banning of course played by Peter Cushing uh he's laid up with a uh, John Banning's laid up with a bad leg So uh, Stephen Banning and Uncle Joe uh, are the first to go into the tomb when it's discovered. But before they do, Mohamed Bey, uh, as the character's name, uh, played by George Pastel, comes up and warns them, "You can't go in there. Um, You don't know what you're messing with. Uh, There's there's a curse." You know, Stephen Banning's like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." So they go into this tomb. Uh, it is what they were looking for. They're, they're amazed. Um, Uncle Joe runs back to tell John, like I said, he can't really move. His, his, his leg is bandaged. And while they're out there talking, they hear a scream come from the tomb. And when he runs in, there's uh, Stephen Banning, the father, laid on the tomb. In his mind, he's completely gone. He's just completely gone insane. They um, We jumped several months later. He's back in a hospital in England. They think he might have had a stroke that just messed his mind up. He's not... He's not responding. He's not doing anything. And this is now John with his limp and Uncle Joe are wrapping up the things in Egypt. They felt like, yeah, this, you know, we're kind of glad this is done because there was something a little strange about this tomb. Then anyway, it goes back to England. And um, we, you know, we follow John Banning and we follow as he's with his father. His father regains consciousness and and warns him about the mummy, he says. And uh, John's like, what are you talking about? He feels he's just sort of rambling. But as it turns out, he had read from the Scroll of Life, Stephen Banning, while he was alone in this tomb. And uh, he did bring a little something to life. And it is now the duty of Mehmed Bey and this mummy to seek their revenge against those who have desecrated the tomb of Ananka. And we'll leave it there. I'll tell you what, I really loved the way this movie opened. I like that whole opening in Egypt, um, even with the little dynamic with the characters. You know, you have... Um, Peter Cushing his leg is bandaged up and and it's Uncle Joe character's like he's got to get to a doctor. His leg will not heal properly if you do not he's talking to you know the father now. You, if you don't tell him to get to the doctor, it's not going to heal properly. And the father's like, "Oh no, that's that's John's decision to make." You know knowing full <laughs> yeah, well that be John, fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Knowing full well that John will not leave this spot cuz cuz now the father doesn't want to leave this spot. So he figures, "Okay, well no, no no no, that's John's decision. I I I can't tell him." What i'll just i'll buy by what he's gonna say you know but you can see that the two of them are just so into finding this and you get the feeling that that uncle joe's the only one who sort of step, step back and is saying look you know uh um, you got to get this leg treated and sure enough he ends up with a limp through you know through the movie because his leg never healed properly and i also like the music there was a great musical cue when they first walk into the tomb
2: the universal monsters and who doesn't, Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy, the wolfman, you can pretty much get heavily into it through this soundcasts. The home site is universalmonstercasts.com or look for them pretty much anywhere you get your soundcasts from. One of the best known and longest running sci-fi soundcasts around has got to be the Star Wars Minute. It really set the bar for micro genre casts in that Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson decided to break down Star Wars in the geekiest way imaginable. Devoting each episode to one minute of the movie from beginning to end, including the closing credits. And they've been working their way through the entire franchise. They're currently blazing their way through Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. They're up to minute 18 here with their guest commentator, Chrysanth Tan, a very talented musician composer with clearly a streak of geek.
9: Uh, today we're talking about minute 18, 1 8,
2: minute 18 uh, of Revenge
9: of the Sith. Starts with Anakin uh, grabbing a cable to stop from sliding, and it ends with Obi Wan asking how this happened. He said, "Wait a minute, how did this all happen?" He's just so he just woke up and he's so confused. (laughs) I've been there; I
10: feel it. They should have him have amnesia when he woke up. Have what? Amnesia. Who am I? Where am? Who are you, people? (laughs) And then that would have. I'd like that as my alarm clock. In fact, Obi Wan.
9: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just like wait a minute,
10: how did this all happen? Uh, Um, Well, it started, yeah, Anakin says, we're in a bit of a situation, which I actually wrote down as a good line. hmm. I don't compliment this movie enough when they have, well, I will counter that by saying it's a terrible (laughs) one. (laughs) Uh, By
9: then moments later, Anakin says, oops, and it's very, it's reminiscent of eight-year-old Jake Lloyd Anakin, which is in itself, not like originally, not, you know, it makes sense it's it's anakin still being anakin mm-hmm. but also it feels kind of weird in this situation
10: no it's it's not weird it's, it's not weird makes perfect he clearly yeah. is still anakin. He's still
9: anakin right and do you think this was intentional yes mm-hmm. probably yeah probably all right so i'm not countering that I'm, I'm okay agreeing i'm adding on cool okay i'm piling on yeah uh is this the robot hand it is right the hand that he grabs the wire with. I, oh yeah, it's beloved. Yeah. yeah, it is his robot hand. It's, John, John yeah, Knowles' John robot hand.
10: John Knowles and the robot hand. It's his backup um, band. So that his backup hand. So that's. I uh, don't oh, know. He, he doesn't have a backup hand. He goes hand solo. Uh, oh God. <laughs> he, he um.
9: So how his robot hand is firmly attached then to the rest of his body? There, right? because like there's. It seems I don't know. Just the physics of that seem like I'm. I would be worried if I was with a prosthetic hand grabbing to hang on to something. And so it, at some point, it's got to be attached. You know, there's got to be a kind of a join between yeah. a joint between his robot hand and the rest of his you know human body. So that that's good to know that that's strong and uh, and stable. That, yeah,
10: and maybe we needed to see that to to understand that fully. Right, like oh, I guess his hand is really secure.
9: So maybe in the back of his head He's like You know what Being more machine than man
10: Is pretty cool Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Kind of snowballs from there It's all It's all foreshadowing Just like Grievous Right uh, So wait But he doesn't They're not like It's not like he's falling And grabs onto it And they stop falling He kind of grabbed onto it When they started to fall Right He didn't I mean, have that shock Of falling and, and I think they're sliding For a little bit It seemed pretty Are they sliding And then he catches it It seemed like yeah. a lot of impact oh, Okay Yeah To me yeah,
9: because that's got to be you know. I mean, you slide down elevator shafts all the time, so maybe not for you. <laughs> I well, I'm,
10: uh, I'm a professional though, so that's right. different. So yeah, so basically, it's carrying him and a uh, figure another three hundred pounds of, right. of weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm impressed. Is what I'm saying. I wonder if even a human could do that. Like, would <laughs> I feel like his his arm, his human arm, would come out of his human socket, even if his robot right. arm could hold it mine like, would the, you think so <laughs> yeah fully i would be dismembered from the we well, Yeah, 300 right. pounds yes. worth of people so
9: um i feel like i referenced that rem thing a lot where michael stipe grabbed a passing truck for a video and then it like dislocated his shoulder <laughs> i can never what? remember which one it is but every time i've mentioned it before and people people tell me which one it is so is if you're drive? listening to this remember to tell me which michael stipe video i'm talking about we're like yeah like he's singing and then like a truck passes by and he like grabs the rear like the side mirror and hops onto the side of the truck. That's what he was uh, trying to do. No, and he did it, but like in doing it he also just like dislocated his shoulder, I think, and they had yeah. to shut down for a little while. Oh gosh. that might have been the drive of video. I don't know. Not anyway. just the cars.
2: Gotta love it. That epi is about 25 minutes long, which is how long it takes on average to talk about a minute of movie magic on the Star Wars Minute. Their home site is thetitleplus.com or hop over to succotashow.com and click on their title of the show in our blog. And of course, they're spattered all over the web wherever soundcasts live. So that's some of the clippage you would have heard if I'd been able to swing the gig with the Monster Party guys. All we missed were four other voices and a lot of boos. Shoot, maybe I should just have gotten hammered before I recorded this show. Tweety! Man, it's already Tweet Sack time. It's been a couple of weeks. Surely there's some kind of tweetage in there. Let me ramble around. Oh, yes. Got a DM on Twitter from the producer of one of my favorite new soundcasts. Dexter Guff is smarter than you, and you can too. Been working on setting up a chat with Peter Oldring, who embodies Dex Guff on that show, and it looks like it's gonna happen soon, which I'm very excited about. Hal Lublin, co-host of We Got This with Mark Gagliardi, DM'd me back to say it looks like we'll be able to link up schedules at the SF Sketchfest next month and get those boys back in front of the Succotash mics. I missed doing that last year, which is the first time in four years we didn't get to talk to Hal, but we'll make up for lost time. I got an email from Caleb Gates, who's looking for a podcaster to fill a position at a new startup called Alpha Voice. The note reads, quote, we are looking to hire a podcaster for an awesome new startup. Do you, do you recommend anyone? Feel free to email me back or forward this to someone you know. Here is a position description, unquote, and then there's a link to their website, which I will pass along to you in a moment. It goes on, Thanks, uh, Thank you in advance, Caleb Gates. Caleb Gates. Caleb? Caleb? Probably Caleb. Alpha Voice seems to be a new app for finding specific moments in podcasts. I was going to forward the actual email to a few guys I know, but then I figured enough soundcasters listen to this show that it would be more effective just to let you know this way via the Tweet Sack. There's a video on YouTube that explains Alpha Voice, so I downloaded the audio from that, and it goes... Exactly like this.
9: I'm Caleb, a co-founder of Alpha Voice, and I'm here at San Francisco's famous Noisebridge hackerspace. I love podcasts, like the oh-so-popular stories from Radio Labs. One of my favorite episodes is the one about baboons eating trash. I also like the stories about driverless cars. The problem is, it takes me 20 minutes to find a favorite moment and share it. So we built this. Alexa, start Radio Lab. Hi,
11: this is Radio Lab ask me anything what would you like to talk about
9: baboons trash
11: we found new baboon by radio lab
3: hey this is jad radio lab is supported by rocket mortgage by quicken loans home plays a big role in your life Alexa,
9: stop
11: thanks for supporting radio lab
9: Alexa ask radio lab about cars
11: Found a bunch of episodes that match cars. First, we have Parazzi. Second, we have Driverless Dilemma. Third, we have Where the Sun Don't Shine. Which would you like to play? The second. Great. Starting Driverless Dilemma by Radiolab.
0: Hi, this is Audrey, calling from Monton, France. Radiolab is supported by UC Davis, a globally ranked university solving problems for food, energy. Stop. Thanks for supporting Radio Lab.
9: But it's so much more. What we've built is a WordPress for voice. Any content creator that wants to test, explore, or distribute on voice assistants can instantly get on board. Our system consumes your content and generates an interactive experience that your listeners can find on major platforms like Facebook Messenger and Amazon Alexa. New platforms like Google Home, Microsoft Cortana, and Apple's HomePod are just around the corner.
2: So if you're a soundcaster, want to look further into a gig with audio voice, here's the URL to, uh, to sign up or at least to uh, find out what it's all about. Alphavoice.io/jobs.html. I'll s- I just rewind it if you didn't get it. I'm not going to repeat it. Good luck. Kylie LaBelle, wife of Danny LaBelle and producer of his Modern Day Philosophers soundcast, wrote to me to say, Hi, Mark. Hope all is well. Danny wanted me to pass along his latest episode coming out with Jamie Kilstein. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I'm not sure if you're aware, but Jamie is just coming back into the spotlight after being accused of sexual harassment. I heard something about that. Modern Day Philosophers is one of the first shows he's done. Please let me know if you'd like to review it. Thanks so much and all the best, Kylie. Well, I will have to give that epi a listen and see. Um, I may review it. Maybe I'll clip it. I don't know. But, I'm, you know, Kylie Lobel is very good about reaching out to this show. Uh, so I appreciate that. Wow. Look at all that stuff from the tweet sack. I love it. I don't think we've seen that much stuff. If you want your stuff in my sack, drop me a note at mark at And now it's the time to take a ride on the cavalcade of gratitude. Which is where I get to thank all those folks who've taken the time to tweet, retweet, follow, like, heart, thumbs up, poke, or otherwise mention Suckatash in their social media streams. Quick question Film Threat, Changes in Latitude, Blake Moniz, Carrie Snow, Out of the Fridge, Travis Clark, SF Sketchfest, Ed Wallach, Sup Doc, Salty Language, Podcast Booster Bot, Gratuitous Phil, The All Seeing Guys. Tom Jackson Jr., Fickle Fanboy, Seven Days a Geek, Joey Clift, Pretty Gross, Jordan Brady, Krampus Ban, Carjo Mezee, I don't know what that means, Jonathan Sadowski, A.R. Rathor, Jamie Raynot, Lunchtime Podcast, Westside Comedy, Smoke Kaio Mix, don't know what that means either, Ned Kenny, Phil Arness, and Illusionoid. To you all, and the folks who slipped through the cracks, thanks so much for giving Succotash the old social media shout-out. I have a question for you, and please, answer honestly. Have you been up to the podcast section of iTunes? That's what they call Soundcast, by the way, is podcast. Have you been up there to rate and review the Succotash show? Of course you haven't. I don't blame you. No, wait. Yes, I do. I blame you. But you can correct that easily enough by jumping up up there right now to give us five stars and a short, pithy review. It really helps to get the word out because our listing pops up higher in the pages and pages and pages and pages of Soundcasts so somebody can finally find us. And we have come to the end of Epi 161 of Suckatash, the comedy Soundcast Soundcast. Uh, If you're in the San Francisco area during January, don't forget about our dates at SF Sketchfest. You can also grab free tickets for the Sunday, January 14th show at 5.30 p.m. by going to sfsketchfest.com or our SuckatashShow.com home site, click on the link. Hope to see you around, and as always, thanks for passing the Suckatash.
1: Goodbye. You've been listening to Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at show.com on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on ha, ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you Succotash. Sugartage is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino, through the auspices of Studio P. Osolito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durgis. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the sugartage. Goodbye.